Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of James Talks. It's really great to have you all here today. Um, I'm delighted to be welcoming another guest here today, um, Amy Booster High. That's right, is it? That's how I, that's how I pronounce it, isn't it? Yes. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, Amy is a, um, a writer and author, um, blogger um, who lives. Well, I'll let her tell her. To let her tell you. Uh, just say hello and introduce yourself a little bit. Sure. Um... I'm an American who's been in the UK about 18 years, live in North London in Finchley with my vicar husband and kids in a a spacious but chilly vicarage, Victorian vicarage. (laughs) Well, that's quite close to me. I didn't realise how close it was. Um, Yeah. um, All right. And yes, so you've written, and and Amy has written um, one book and she also has a blog as well so she's uh, and she's so she's quite a successful author and blogger um and we're going to have a chat today about about faith creativity all sorts of different things so um yeah so amy tell us a bit of your story and um kind of your background and where you came from and sure um i grew up in minnesota which borders canada and i was raised in a christian home i I guess I've always kind of had the the travel lust because I went to, I actually came to London for a January term when I was at university and loved it. And then I went to Washington, D.C. for a semester at university and ended up staying 10 years. So, wow. Really, yeah. It was really fun. I was working in the nation's capital. I worked for Oz Guinness. I don't know if you've heard of him he's a he's a british sociologist and a christian thinker he's written loads and loads of books um so i worked for him and then i met an englishman and moved even even farther east to uh to the uk some 18 years ago wow yeah and i've always loved words i've been really interested in words um writing and editing. I've got many, many years in editing. I was a commissioning editor for Zondervan and HarperCollins and most recently Authentic, but I've kind of hung up my red pen, so to speak, for now. Right. And really doing so much editing, but more of the speaking and the writing. Wow. So so tell us a bit of your, I guess, your faith journey, like how that kind of evolved and, yeah progress yeah well i was raised roman catholic my parents are strong christian catholics and um and some of my close close friends were were um protestant christians baptists but when you think baptist it's it might be a little bit different stateside but anyway i would go to these wilderness camps all the time growing up and i really got to know god through those and through vacation bible school and um and then i went to a christian university and my faith has always been really really important to me and so marrying a those isn't too surprising because it has been so important so important to me hmm. and how was that so how so how did you how did you get into you know the writing the editing the how did that kind of happen what was the story of that happening well when i was um 11 i wrote a story that got published in the local minneapolis paper and i was so so excited and it was the weekend actually that my great aunt died 
And she was this amazing, I would love to write about her sometime. She's an amazing woman. She was a nun. And she also was the first woman to get a master's from Yale, I believe. Yeah. And she was the one who came up with, she worked in advertising and she would um, shuttle between Chicago and New York. And she's the one who came up with the idea for the Pillsbury Bake Off. No, 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 wait. No, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. No, she's the one who came up with the idea for the Betty Crocker cookbook. Oh, wow. Anyway, you know. So when she died that weekend, and it it kind of, I felt like there was the passing of the baton in some kind of sense. And I just always pursued words after that. So what, so, so, so when did that, so how did that kind of... How did that kind of happen? I mean, how did, I mean, obviously you've written a book now and, you, and you're blogging. You've done you've done a lot of editing. Um, yes. So how did that all kind of? What was the process of all of that happening? What did? How did that kind of unfold? Well, it's taken it's taken years. It's actually taken decades because um, I was very confident as a as an editor, but not as a writer. And this first book actually probably took me seven or eight years to write. Wow. Because I was never confident that I, I could really, you know, write a book or have the right to speak my voice and to say because I, I edited all these amazing, amazing authors, you know, Adrian Plass and Rob Lacey and Michelle Guinness and and Oz Guinness and all these really um, intelligent, deep, thoughtful, wise people, and. So to think that you, when you know so much about publishing, to actually write your own book can be really scary. Mm. But um, so it was a long, long process of stepping into that. Um, when Zondervan got rid of my job about ten years ago, I started writing a regular column in a Christian a Christian publication, Christian Marketplace. It was a trade publication, mm-hmm. and that just that. And then I started the Woman Alive Book Club. We're coming up to the ten year anniversary of that. And it's just that, yeah, the monthly kind of deadlines. And then I started writing Bible reading notes, which is probably my favorite kind of writing, the devotional writing. And it was just, you know, um, writing assignment by writing assignment, just getting out there and doing it and learning as I went and gaining in confidence, I guess, which is a bit of a long answer to your question. No, it's a great answer. Um, It's a great answer. Um... It's interesting that it's taken, it's taken you so long to write a book. Um, I mean, I, I just finished my first book. I mean, I, but before that, I'd been blogging for about, oh dear, well, blogging 10 years. So seven years, you know, before I wrote, I started writing my first book. And it was a scary thing to do, you know, because I was quite content with, with blogging and like the 500 words and, you know, yes. once a week, you know. So, and trying to condense ideas into a small, into kind of a small package, you know. So yeah. writing a book is a whole different process, isn't it? I mean, it's a whole different process from blogging um, because you have so much more time to unpack ideas. I mean, did you find that when you were writing a book that you, just, you sometimes didn't realise how much time you had to unpack your ideas? Yes, yes, and... I really enjoyed that. In, in the first draft of uh, finding myself in Britain, I put way, way, way too much in. And that's where, and I have such a high view of editor being one, that um, that's where you really need the writer-editor process, where you're willing to kind of kill your darlings. And 
Um, I had this great, I had great reviewers who really helped me. And then I had a great editor and my publisher helped me as well to just winnow down, um, you know, and to make the book much more cohesive. So you're not going off, off on all these tangents, which is easy to do. So when you were writing the book, did you, I mean, cause obviously you've, you've done so much as an editor, um, were you kind of, edit, was there a little part of you that was editing your book as you were writing it or yeah. Yeah. With anything that I write, I do rewrite a lot. Um, um, and I just think any writer needs to keep rewriting, but any writer is going to have a lot of blind spots and their, you know, their pets or their pet phrases mm. or the things that they want to put in and they really shouldn't. And that's, you know, that famous saying of kill your darlings, because the stuff that we really, really enjoy and think, oh, isn't this fabulous? Somebody else is like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. And so you have to, you just don't have the objectivity. You need somebody else to come in and say, you know, it's a dialogue too. It's not like the editor says you have to cut this, yeah. but it's through that honing and the collaboration. And, you know, and she would say, ah, don't think about this or, and I mean, it was great because my book is about an American, being an American in the UK. And it's a, a through the year look at the UK. And I had an editor who was British who had lived in America. So it was an amazing, amazing fit. Yeah. Wow. That sounds so I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be reading it soon. I'm looking yeah. forward to reading that. What was I mean? You said it's a, so you say it's about a year in the UK from somebody who's yeah. American. That's so, right. Yep. So what would I mean? What what have you what have you noticed that's so that's the most different about the UK to to America? I mean, what are the things that kind of come up? The patterns that you notice regularly that well, come up I in the book. The interesting. I'm oh, sorry. I think the interesting thing about that, and actually, before I got married, my boss at the time, Oz, who's this Brit living in the States, said to me, you know, Amy, it's not the big things that will get you, but it's all the little things that add up and that are so different. Because you think England, the UK, and America are quite similar, but they aren't. And it's, you know, things like outlook, whereas England was a great power. And then America could be seen as a great power. So, so um, what does that do in terms of the na the national outlook? You know, is it a pessimistic one or an optimistic one? You've got the pioneer spirit in America, and then you've got you know, this is how we do it in the UK. So, I mean, those kind of big things. But then just language. I have a whole chapter on language. You know, it's not a. I would know that it wasn't called a parking lot, but I'm like, oh, what's it called? What's it? Well, you know, and I couldn't remember car park. So really tiny things wow. like that. But you just kind of go. I lost my confidence, and I thought, you know, I'm going to be saying the wrong thing, or they're going to think I'm a loud American, or I don't want to be different. I don't want to be a foreigner. So it did shut me up for a good year. <laughs> wow. So you feel like you fully adapted now. Oh, you're still learning. <laughs> oh, I still learn. Still learn all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've never been to America. I'm kind of... It's a place I've always wanted to go. I, I'm, I've, I've become more aware recently of the cultural differences, you know, because I, I knew there were some, but I, I didn't realise there were quite as many because I've been making a lot of American friends and finding out from them, you know, that it's different, that how different it is. Um, yes. Well, then you've so, been interviewing quite a few on your podcast, haven't you? So, well, yeah, sure. right. yeah. even just the conversations, have you found that 
there are differences in understandings or words or yeah yeah it's it's a lot of it's language um yeah. but there is that whole kind of because of the, the political situation in america right now the you know the perspective the whole idea of empire and all that kind of thing and people have the people's concerns and all that kind of stuff and you know i actually um uh, i've been talking to um a couple of people I interviewed and I had this idea of um, doing a a podcast about the guns issue yeah. from a British perspective. Yes. Um, I'm not sure whether this podcast will go out after that one or not, but um, um, that's something that I'm definitely going to be doing and I'm hoping to do an episode sometime around the American election with an American Discuss, just discussing all of that kind of thing. So you'll all have that to look forward to, by the way, everyone. Um, <laughs> <Good. laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, mean, I, do, I have learned a lot from talking to a lot of Americans, yes. Um, it's the <laughs> short answer. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that sounds a really fascinating book. And, um, I mean, well, so what's your kind of... How does your faith inform your creative side your writing and your and your editing in fact the editing you've done how's that all kind of tied in together well I, uh, that's a hard question to to answer in the sense of i hope that my faith affects everything that i do and that i you know the writing that i do the editing i did i would do from a christian world worldview a point of view of you know you honor your god whether you're a plumber or a writer or a um, taxi driver or mother or whatever. Um, but I, I guess prayer for me, I love praying. I love writing about prayer. I love devotional writing and, and prayer for me is so important because I feel like I don't have anything to say if God, if God doesn't give it to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so I guess, I guess faith informs my writing and my editing in that, I really do depend on God to uh, hopefully spark some inspiration. So, how have you? What what have been the kind of your big, the big the big experiences that you've had? Like the major, I would say the major events that have shaped your faith. Um, in my twenties, I I came into a time of learning to hear God, and I really thought I. I was listening to the Lord. I was hearing him. And then I got it totally wrong. I thought he told me, this sounds so kind of stereotypical, but I thought he told me I was supposed to marry a certain guy. And it oh, didn't wow. work out. And I was also going to move from one city in the States to another to work for an organization there. And that didn't work out either. And so it was kind of, you know, the dark night of the soul. It was a huge crash for me not because those things didn't work out because it was it was more like what am i doing here who am i listening to am i just listening to my heart you know is this god is this me and it was really really a hard time because it was where i was learning to discern and to mature and um and so it took it took years of learning and and just learning how to discern when are you hearing God and when are you not. And it's not like I ever know for sure right now because it's, it's Bill Hybels wonderful title, the power of a whisper, mm. you know, God's voice is this still small voice. 
we have to quiet ourselves and then we test it out we test it against the bible and with other people and um with experience and so we always test what we hear but that time in my 20s was a massive time of of um of learning to hear god and to trust him and to know who he is as a loving god wow that's wow that's quite an experience um, and we all have those kind of experiences, don't we? I mean, and those are, you know, when things go all wrong, when we kind of, those dark nights of the soul. Yes. They're the things that really shape us, you know. Um, they do. Yeah, it's your, how is your character shaped through those times? I'm doing a master's right now in Christian spirituality. Oh, wow. And so I've been reading Teresa of Avila and this guy called Pseudo Dionysus. And um, Meister Eckhart and St. John of the Cross. And, and a lot of them are into this stuff called um, apophatic theology, which is a negative theology, which is where they will, they will have a negation. They say, God isn't this. And then they'll have a negation of the negation saying, God. And it's, it's really mind-blowing. And I can't quite get my head around all of it. But it's this sense of, of God is so big that we can't always name who he is. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I actually, I like the the whole concept of um, which I've heard lots of people talk about. Of God's name is almost the sound of our breathing. Yes. You know, it's that unpronounceable. It's that. Um, it's that big. It's that. Yeah. But it's also that intimate. You know that it's just the sound. It's like like saying our breath. You know, it's like the source of it's like the source of our of our being, basically. You know, um, I, I love that. I yeah. love that, especially about the breath, because you know, you look in Genesis and God breathes, and then you look at Jesus coming back to the disciples, and He breathes on them, and He says, "Peace be with you." And it's that breath, which the breath of life, which invigorates us, and that's where creativity comes from, isn't it? It's, the yes. Of God. Yeah, I was going to talk about creativity. You know, yeah, just seg back to yeah, to yeah. faith and creativity. Um, I think they're, I think they're just, in, I think they're connected. You know, I think it's, you know, I mean, faith is a, a, creativity is a spiritual act. Yeah, actually, I think because yeah. I mean, if you think about it, as a, I mean, if you're, a, I mean, as a Christian, especially, you know, all, you know, the, the Bible begins with create with creativity. It's like you know. And it's poetry. It's not. I don't. I don't believe it's literal fact. But it's. Yeah. So it's an, even like from a literal perspective, it's creativity. You know. It's. Yes. Um, I totally agree. Um, so it's like when we when we when we create something, we're joining in with. I like how Rob Bell puts it in his, his in his latest book. We're joining in with the creation of the universe. We're helping to. We're participating in the creation of the of the universe. You know, we're playing our part in that. Um, and that's really it's mind-boggling, isn't it? It's I know, really cool. I know. It's, it's almost too big to get your head around, in a way. Yeah, well, it's, it's how much God loves us that He's made us to create, and He wants us to create, mm. and each of us to create in the way that we have been created. You know, my creativity is going to be different than your creativity. Mm. And that's what's so beautiful about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, talking about creativity, I mean, what what does it mean to you? I mean, obviously you're you're professional, so you 
Yeah, so a lot of what you've, you know, so the editing you've done and the, you know, the writing you've done, you get paid for it. Um, so how do you kind of maintain that authenticity and that artistic integrity, you know, because obviously you've got to do marketing and promotion and all those kind of things with the work that you do. So how do you keep that authenticity and that integrity? Well, I've been talking to a publishing mentor about this kind of stuff, and he's been so good because he's, he, he told me about um, an, an illustration that John Wimber gave, actually. And John was speaking to some musicians, mm. and he said he differentiated to the musicians between temple worship and worship where you're just free and doing your own thing. And Wimber would say that God is in both. So, you know, it might be some of my temple worship might be some of the paid stuff that I'm able to do. Mm. And I might have to rewrite it a lot. I might get rejected a lot. Um, you know, I have to write stuff on spec. I have to do it. I have to write. I've I'm just sent off the 2017 Lent book, which I've just written. And I have to write it totally with British spellings and punctuation and everything. Mm. Um, so, I mean... In that sense, it's temple duty. But God is in it as well. It's not that God isn't in the temple duty. He is. Mm -hmm. But he is also in, I mean, so some of the temple duty might free us up to write on our blog in American spellings and however we want and addressing whatever we want to do and nobody is telling us what to do or what not to do. So I think it's that balance of knowing that God's in everything and that with any job, there's some stuff that you have to do and there's some stuff, and you still will love doing it probably, although maybe it's harder or you have to work harder or whatever. And then some stuff that you just love doing. Wow, that's interesting. That's a really interesting approach. And I never heard that before, the whole, you know, the whole idea to kind of like the temple duty. That's interesting. I know. I've been really yeah. hanging on it because I've, you know, I've had some rejections, which any writer's going to, or if you get bad reviews or, yeah, just as a writer, all the marketing that you have to do and keeping up a blog might feel like, like a hardship, but you have to be mm. out there and, and, you know, meeting people and discoverability is the big buzzword in publishing these days. It's all about people discovering you. So, but God's in all of it and it can, all of it can be a gift and a way to express yourself creatively. Yeah, I think that's that's true. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, because we all, you know, whether, oh, whether, you know, we're all, we've got all got to pay the bills at the end of the day. You know, we all got to yeah. pay the rent and buy food and pay the bills, all that kind of thing. And, um, and that can be something that we love. You know, that that can be something that we love. It won't always be something that we love necessarily. I mean. Um, I don't think that there's all this kind of myth about if you're doing something, if you're doing some, something creative or whatever, that it has to be your job or you have to make money from it to be successful or whatever, or it's about number of the people that you reach is, is being successful. You know, and I said, I said it many times that it's, it's, it's really about making the work that you're called to make. Yes. And yes. putting that out there into the world. And then if you make money from it, if it ends up becoming your your living, that's that's not that's a good thing. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't actually matter. You can just have another job. And plenty of people have day jobs, and then go and do their writing or their creative work. You know, that's um, right. 
I mean, I heard about, I heard Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, she, but even before Eat, Pray, Love, she was making quite a lot of money from writing, but she was, but she still had, enough, she still had a kind of a day job. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And I think she even kept that to start with when Eat, Pray, Love came out, you know, um, because she didn't want um, her, her kind of financial security to come from her creative work, you huh. know, um, which is a yeah, nice thing, I suppose, a nice thing in one way, but. I think there's room for both. I think you can. I think it's perfectly okay to make your living out of creative work. It's just I think the most important thing always is not to lose your integrity. Is to is to make the most honest work that you can because yes, yes, yeah. People don't. People won't. People won't want to read stuff that's not honest anyway. I don't think it's not. It's not the best work that we can make. Right. Yeah. People can tell when you're not being authentic. I think I think for people who do make their living just on writing or whatever, the hard thing can be saying no when it's when it's something that you want you can do but maybe you shouldn't do because then you don't have time for what you really want to do. And maybe just to give you an example, I've done a lot of interviews recently. I interviewed Sarah Bessie with her book out of sorts she's She's amazing and i've interviewed some other people and but i've just kind of realized you know right now in this season i don't i shouldn't be saying yes to interviews because it takes a lot of time to read the book and then to meet the person and then to transcribe it and you know and now that i'm doing this masters as well it just i need to say no to that it's not that it's bad or wrong Hmm. but um you know, when you're when you're working as a freelancer, you might think, "Oh, there's not going to be anything coming up for me to do. I better say yes." But I think that's maybe more motivated by fear Interesting. and not yeah. being intentional. Yeah, it's really important to be intentional about our creative work and to and to kind of have a have some kind of plan in a sense, so like to you know to kind of know what you're doing and what projects you're working on now, what ones you've got coming up, you know, and how that's looking because. You know, obviously you can't plan too far ahead or too much, but to have that in in place, so that you're, for, apart from anything else, you're not doing too much. Yes. And you're not overloading yourself and burning yourself out. Is really important. <laughs> Which is what I've just done, but yes. <laughs> really? Just... Well, I said yes to this Lent book, and I knew it would be tough with all of my other commitments. So, I mean, I, I wrote this calendar out, I drew a calendar and I wrote how many, how many daily devotionals I'd have to write each day. And I looked at it and I went, Lord, how are you going to help me do this? And it was tough, but yeah, we got there. So, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, how do you manage your time? I mean, obviously, because you're, you're a mother and you're a wife and, you know, and you've got other responsibilities as well. So how do you manage that time, your time well and fit this all and kind of, I would I wouldn't say fit it all in, but how do you ensure that you're not overburdening yourself and that you have enough time for everything? Well, I haven't been doing that great with it. Talk to my family; they'll they'll tell you. They say no more books for a while. Um, but this publishing mentor, who's so amazing, he's really helped me with that, and he's introduced me to Evernote. Oh and yeah, I don't know if that's something yeah. that you use. I love Evernote, yeah. Yeah, so I've been putting everything into Evernote and doing a weekly task list of, you know, everything that needs to get done and and just 
and this system of having everything in one place has really freed me up and it's it's helped me with my inbox. I mean, I'm still not totally on top of everything and I probably owe a lot of people emails, but I have a much better sense and kind of getting all that peripheral stuff organized, I think leaves you the space to be intentional and do the, you know, the Stephen Covey Q2, quadrant two, the um, things that are important but not urgent in the seven habits of what is that called? The Seven Habits of Highly Effective, effective people. Leaders. Yeah. Highly Effective People, yeah. Oh, yeah, people, that's right. Yeah, so that, and with this kind of ideal, and then my mentor is so good, but he does a lot of Michael Hyatt stuff. You know, there's an ideal mm. week where you try, and I haven't actually, I think creative types resist some of that, but I know that when I, when I have more time, I need to figure out what is my ideal week, what are my life goals, and how... And so then whenever you get an opportunity, you pray about it and you weigh it against how is it going to affect my ideal week and how is it going to affect my life goals? Should I say yes? Should I say no? Yeah. That is, I mean, yeah, the, the whole managing time thing is a really, really difficult thing. I mean, I, I struggle with it too because, you know, I have a full-time job and I have, you know, yeah. a life. And, you know, and yet I want to do this and I want to do this, I want to do all this work and I want to do it well. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, be second rate i want to do it to a high standard and so i mean that's a tough challenge that a lot of creative people have is managing that diary because you you've got to fit everything in and and you can it's really easy to overload yourself and burn yourself out so it's it's really important to have that intentional stuff and be and, and have and be and plan your week and have it all in the diary and stuff and i try to do that ahead of time doesn't always work out but uh, but but, you know you do your best i think so um it's interesting um yeah it's so important to plan i think for me having um young kids one in secondary school and one in primary school means that the school holidays do come into it as well and i'm i'm almost forced you know to plan everything within the time when the kids are at school so that that does help as well hmm hmm that's, yeah, obviously those things like that. Yeah, you, you've just got to plan things around that, haven't you? I mean, you, you can't, yeah. you don't have any control over that. So, yeah, totally. Um, so, what what's the biggest conflict or challenge that you've kind of had in your in your writing, and yeah, and how has that actually impacted you know your life and also also your writing itself? What do you mean in terms of conflict or challenge? Well, I would say the thing that's well, when you've had periods of where you've been struggling or um, had struggled to get the words out or struggled to find the time to, to, to write or, you know, where you've been lacking inspiration or, or something that's going on in your life has kind of stopped you writing or stopped you from creating things in the way that you'd like to. Um, I, I think it goes back to what I hinted at earlier of how I was an editor for so many years and I didn't feel like I had the right to be a writer, to be an author, and how I had to kind of overcome that just by doing it year after year. And I remember one time when I, I put an editor and a writer for the very first time and I just thought, ooh, imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome. Not that I knew that term back then. But um, even on the back of my book, I realized recently that I say Amy Boucher-Pie is a, um, a writer, speaker, and an editor. 
And I looked at that recently and I thought, wow, that's amazing because because um, my, my publishing mentor said to me when I was redesigning my website, you know, he said, you need to put author down, author and speaker, because your book is coming out. And why don't you take editor off now? Because you're not doing that. I'm like, oh, is this okay? Can I be an author? Can I be a writer? But then you then you step into it. You feel like you have the imposter syndrome, and then you just have the you just pretend that you have the confidence, and you do it, and you start doing it, and then people start calling you that, and you realize that you're you are this thing that you never thought you could be. You know, I mean. So in a way, I've almost written myself out of the, the conflict or the problem over many, many years. Wow. That's, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm actually going through that very thing myself right now. Oh, yeah. I was talking you can to, do it, James. Yeah, my, <laughs> my, my, yourself out of it. My first book is coming out soon. Um, I don't have an exact date yet, but it, I know it's going to be very soon. And I'm kind of having that oh, this is actually going to happen, you know. Yes. And I'm talking to my publisher and my editor, um, and, you know, like they're saying, this is actually going to happen now, James. This is like, <laughs> you know, get ready, you know. And then you're kind of doing all the kind of technical legal stuff around it and yes. design and fonts and all this kind of It's like, oh, this is actually going to happen, you know, right. um, for the first time, you know. And it's scary. It's a scary thing. And... Um, Especially because then you can actually then you say yeah well actually I am actually an author you know I I am <laughs> uh, and I can't deny that you know it's like even if this totally fails even if no one buys it I've still done this thing um, that's right and it, it, it's the vulnerability of putting yourself out there isn't it yes you know not everybody's going to like my book but that's okay because we don't like everybody else's book either yeah absolutely I mean that's being creative is a, is, you know, it's an act of vulnerability. I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard of Brené Brown, but there's a, yes. you know, there's a huge link between vulnerability and creativity. And, Definitely. you know, um, being creative is an act of vulnerability, but being, being vulnerable actually allows us to be creative in the first place. That's so they're, right. So they're kind of intertwined in many ways, you know. And I think actually when you get to a place where you can be really vulnerable and have no fear where you kind of know you're enough and you belong and you're lovable and you're worth it as you are, not for what you do, but just because of who you are, then that frees you to create stuff and to put it out there with less fear of what the result will be. Yes, I agree. Definitely. Um, so um, and I'm kind of going through that at the, at the moment because the, talking about the theory of it is a very different thing to actually going through the experience of that. Because, I mean, you'll know, and I'm sure you know this as well, like putting the process of your first book, your first book going out there, you know, is like, oh, this is, right, okay, something of mine, yes. of my heart is going out into the world, you know, and people are going to be looking at it and critiquing it and all that kind of thing. And I call it book babies, my book baby. My book baby is being born, you know. <laughs> And you do feel like that. You feel like very protective, but it takes on its own life and you have to let it go. But that's very exciting for you. Yeah. I mean, have you got another book that you're working on or is it, or I mean, outside the, you know, obviously you've got the Lent one and you've got the, obviously the book you've already published, but is there any more kind of projects that you're working on? Well, I've got a list of ideas, but 
I mean, Finding Myself in Britain just came out in October last year, and um, I've just written the draft to this one. The Lent book for 2017 is called The Living Cross, so that'll be coming out in November of this year. And uh, I do have some other books, but I need I need a bit of a break. I've been going too fast, as it were. Yeah, that's that's important actually. Having a, having a break is actually really yeah. really important actually to helping our creativity. I think that's right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I as I was thinking about it, you asked me to um, talk about creativity, and and I did think of a few things for writers. I don't know if you want to only talk about writers, but some different ways to help us release creativity, if you want to. Yeah, I was going to ask about you about, this. actually, about... Some... Sorry, I don't mean to jump ahead. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Um, that, that's kind of what I wanted to, to get to, was, was, you know, what kind of major kind of hints and tips like do you have for... I mean, obviously for writers, specifically in your experience, but generally for creative people who, who people who want to create stuff and put it out there i mean what what are the major lessons that you've learned you know i mean that's yeah that's something i really wanted you to share so oh good well i've got i'll throw some out there but it, you know i'd love to hear from you what you think obviously and the number one i put down was pray and i've i've touched on that before because i do think god is the source of our creativity and it's that wonderful collaboration that we have with god um of producing stuff. And I know that may sound too holy by half, but I thought just to share an illustration of maybe that might help. Mm. Um, so I write a lot of these devotional, you know, I write for our daily bread. I write for a lot of British publications, these Bible reading notes. And I love it when I'm assigned a text actually. So I think I have some coming out with new daylight pretty soon on first Timothy first and second Timothy. And, and as I approach the text, it's interesting. Cause again, there's a bit of the temple duty here because you know, you have to write what you're assigned and you, you write about the text. And I always want to be true to the text, but I always want, I want God to speak through what I write. And it's interesting when I come up to a Bible reading notes and I'm writing it often, I might have nothing or then I just have this like, little whiff this little spark this tiny tiny little idea Mm. um almost like you just have to grab it out of the clouds the tiniest of ideas it might be an illustration or it might be a scripture or something yeah and and it's like i grab that little tiny idea and and then i go with it and it's like as you go with it it's like you're grabbing the lord's hand or something and then he helps lead you through it. But it's not like you have the whole thing delivered on your plate. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. Does that, does that, I mean, I, I don't want to sound too holy, but it is this collaboration with God. Yeah, no, as a, I mean, I'm a, as a Christian as well. I mean, I know that there are people who aren't Christians who listen to this, but I think the principle is that, it, you know, I think these ideas suddenly just, like, you get a little whiff of an idea. Yeah. It's like a, almost like a little kind of seed or a, I don't want to call it a germ because that's a, that's a negative thing. But <laughs> I like, like seed. Seed's see, really a little good. seed of an idea, and it's like, uh, and you kind of almost like a curiosity. I think Elizabeth Gilbert calls it, you know, following your curiosity. You know, like, and you just sort of like, okay, I'm going to grab that, and I'm going to see where it goes. You know, and this is why it's good to have things like Evernote because you can. Yes. What I do when I get like, that idea, I just literally get I email it to myself like. 
Yeah. You know, put, put it on my phone. You know, so that I've got it. You know, so that I haven't forgotten it. You know, and I've got I've got a drop I've got a Dropbox folder which is full of loads of different ideas and little little things like that. And they often, what I find is that they often come together into something at the end, like over a period of time, that they turn yes. into something else. Um, so that's a really good one. Love that. So yeah. what, what's what's the next one? The next one. Um, letting your subconscious work by spending time doing you know practical things like time in the shower, time on a train, gardening, doing the dishes, cooking, or you know maybe even coloring, doing that kind of adult coloring. But it's so interesting when you kind of set your subconscious a task. You're I know I'm not a novelist, but I know novelists like will think about a character or a plot, a twist in the plot that they don't have right. And so they spend time cooking or gardening or something so that their their mind is still engaged, but it's like the the their it's not hard stuff, so yet the subconscious can be at work. And it's so interesting how it's like you're doing something else but you're thinking about this and then you you know, you think, oh, I need to get water so that I can water this plant, or oh, there's a really heavy rock here. So you're not thinking about it all the time, but then you come back to it and you think about that character or that plot twist or, you know, the hard thing that you're writing about. And it's amazing how your mind just kind of works out some of these problems on its own. Have you found this? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, because I think... I think that's I think that's called like marinating. You know, like yeah, you know, yeah, that's I, good. You know, ideas kind of just like stew, and you know, you, you kind of they take time to fully form. You know, and yeah. something like it, yeah, like you say, something will hit you when you're doing something. You know, you're doing something completely different, and something will just be in you. You know, and you'll yeah. just like it'll just hit you, and yeah, you have to listen to you have to listen to your subconscious, yeah. And then it, you have to write it down, like you said. You yeah, have to exactly. Get your phone you, out and record it, or it'll be gone. Yeah, and it's like, like I had a great idea, and I don't know what it is. It's like in the middle of you're in the middle of something, and you know, you just think, "Oh, I've got to take this now. I've got to, you know, this is like you're doing something else, and that actually triggers something." Yes. Yeah. You know, because something because it's but it's already in there. It's just that you need to get it out. That's um, right. And I've had times where I've lost ideas like that. Fortunately, what I try to do is I try to kind of just. Trust that that it will that, that the idea is in there that will come back again, and I try to I try to repeat the thought pro- what I was doing at the time. Oh yeah. So like, I try to retrace my thought pattern, so yes. like the neurological pattern in your brain that kind of got you to that place. Try and <laughs> yeah. go back, and it does work actually sometimes. Oh, that's um, a great idea. Um, great but one. it takes that takes you've got to be really intentional about that. I mean, it's not easy. Um, I had yeah. to I had to hone that skill. You know, but okay. it, but yeah, listening to your subconscious is a great one. So, prayer, um, listening to your subconscious, and, and another one that fits from the subconscious is morning pages. Now, this is for writers. I'm sure that artists can do this in different ways. Yeah, I've done this. This is from the artist way. Morning pages. It's from the artist way, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I have that book. I'm not. I think it is. I've yeah, I've done, I've done it. I remember it. Yeah, but it's a really good principle. Yeah, so you just sit down and write out 500, 1,000 words, just stream of consciousness. It's like priming the pump, you know? Yeah. It's kind of warming yourself up. And I think for me, for me, this was a really important thing of moving from an editor to a writer because 
I had such a highly, and I still do, but I've learned how to turn it off, such a highly developed critical faculty of tearing stuff apart, you know, Mm. that I would tear apart anything before it was even written down. So I didn't get anything written down. And so morning pages, if I know that I'm not going to be criticizing it, it just helped me so much. And actually, I started, I did morning pages one November when I did NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I did write a novel. I used it for nonfiction, which is what I write. But I just committed to writing those 1,667 words a day. And by doing it for 30 days, it helped me to lock up the inner editor into the basement and to, you know, put the put the scarf over her mouth and just to say, shut up, editor. You're not letting the writer write. Mm, that's a really, yeah, that's a good discipline. I mean, I, I've done that before and it really, really helped unlock a lot of things as well because I think when you do that, every day it it kind of eventually the more you do it it digs through the stuff on the surface and gets to something that's really really deep inside of you uh, and covers it and suddenly you've got something you know that's been that's definitely been my experience and i've had book ideas that have come up as a result of that you know oh that's right Um, and it feels like later on you can go back to those pages which might be just filled with nonsense but in in the midst of some of the nonsense, you might find these jewels that need a lot of polishing, but they are jewels, and they're there to be mined. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, that- what do we say? Prayer, letting your subconscious work, writing prompts. Um, oh, no, morning pages. I skipped ahead. Writing prompts. Do writing you ever prompts. use writing prompts? I, I've never used writing prompts, actually. I know a lot of people that do, and I know that can be very effective. Um, I know that they're a really effective tool. I've never... I've never, never tried them, to be honest. Um, but um, just, just unpack that for us a little bit. So, Well, I haven't done it much, so I don't want to pretend to be an expert. I've done it only a couple of times. But you could do this with your morning pages. So, you know, if you're writing fiction, just um, somebody will say, you know, a black rose. And then you just take that and you go off and you start writing your thousand words or whatever. Or maybe, you know, if I'm thinking about devotional or spirituality stuff, I'd say Brother Lawrence or um, the Interior Castle. And you would just take that prompt and then just go wherever you go with it. Mm. And I think it's just a way to focus you. And it's just a way, again, of priming the pump and getting you writing. Yeah, I mean, actually, when I talk about it, I mean, me and a friend of mine called Lisa, we're, we're... Running this thing this year called Syncreate, which is like a, oh. and you've heard of Synchro Blogs, right? Yes. But what, what we do is that, and anyway, everyone else, I really invite you to be part of this. Um, for every month of this year, we're setting, we've got a theme, okay. and we're inviting people to create anything, literally anything, around this kind of this theme, this word, whatever it kind of inspires out of them. Um, whether it's a song or a, people have written songs um, or a poem or, or a blog post or an ebook or anything, you know, and we've got this, we've got these, uh, these one, we've got like things like grace and um, repent. We've had repentance for Lent and we had um, trans, I think it, this next month, it's the source of our being, you know, oh. um, and um, 
so people can create anything along that theme, and then we have a Facebook group and a, all that kind of thing. People can share it. Oh, um, almost kind of as a almost the that's kind of like writing prompts, but in a in a kind of um, more general way in terms of yes. what you can create. So sure. in that sense, I've I have had experience of that kind of thing. But I think prompts for our creativity are really really useful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. It's more specific, the writing prompt, but a prompt for our creativity it just really helps us to get going with it, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's not a bad thing, you know. It's not, it's not inauthentic. It's just like you just sometimes you just need like one word or just one item to focus on or one theme, and then that that but that can trick because we're all different. That can trigger off different things in every, in all of us, you know. Yes. Um, because and, and I think that really segues nicely into the next one, which is is to have a group. I would call it a writing group, but. You know, a group of creators where you're, it's a safe place, where you're meeting regularly. Uh, I'm part of one that's online, so it doesn't have to be physical. But it's, um, it's an intentional community where you come together with um, ideas and for support and for sharing and for maybe sharing um, your work in progress. Or, But it's that community. You know, we really need each other. We need the iron sharpening iron and and the learning from each other, and just like you said, the the something will spark an idea in, in somebody else. Yeah, that's absolutely, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I'm part of a few writers' groups, and it really does help, especially, I mean, when you're struggling as well, you yeah. can just go, well, you have this space, I mean, I've been, I had, I've had this period where I've been struggling, and to have a place where you can go and say, this is what's happening, you know, this is where I'm struggling, um, and have people who can encourage you and support you and give you advice and that kind of thing and inspiration. It's really, really useful. And people, people can feedback, can feedback on your work as well, where they can, like, you know, give you, um, you know, encouragement or or healthy or constructive criticism or whatever. Yeah. You know, we grow best in community and. And to have like yeah, writers writers communities or or creative communities where we get to do that is really really important. And with Facebook, it's really easy to do now. Yeah, you know, um, it is. So yeah, I'd, I'd always encourage people to do that because I think that's a really yeah, that's a really really important important thing that we need to grow. Yeah, is have community. I didn't I didn't know how much I needed it. And then I was invited to be part of one. And now I can't imagine not having a writer's group. Yeah. Yeah, I really do think it's really important. And then the last one I just had was deadlines. (laughs) I mean, deadlines can be really, really helpful to get us creative. Yeah, that's true. I've never, I mean, I'm not very good at, I can set myself deadlines, but I, you know, when you set yourself deadlines, it's, <laughs> you can easily not meet them, can't you? You can always yeah. say, oh, I'll just change that, you know. Um, but having other people set your deadlines is actually, yeah, it can be a really good thing because it it pushes you to get at least something done, you know. I mean, even if it's not the final draft, even if it's not the version that everyone will see, to have a deadline is does, you know, kind of push you a little bit and it helps. Yeah. It's well, not, I think, and especially if you don't, if you're not doing it, to create it with, you know, with a publisher or whatever. If you have a writing group or a creative group or whatever, if you're setting the deadlines within a space of accountability, 
then um, then they do feel more like they're real deadlines because you don't want to let those people down if they can really hold you to it in a nice but firm way. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, that's six. That's six, isn't it? I mean, we've got so we've got. Uh, I'm just trying to go through them for everybody. Prayer, yeah. listening to your subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, morning pages. Morning pages. Um, writing prompts. Writing prompts or creative prompts. Creative prompts. Yep. Um, uh, what was the other one? Creative uh, groups. Writing groups. Accountability. Um, yep. Accountability and deadlines. And deadlines. Yeah. Um, yeah. So six kind of six kind of um, stimulus. To, six kind of stimuli to creativity or. You know, six um, secrets to creativity, I guess, maybe. You know, <laughs> there you uh, go. Your mind is coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, but they're all really, really important, and I think they all apply to they apply to more than just writing. I think when you look at it, you know, the, you know, prayer and you know, accountability and um, you know, daily, daily, just habit of creating every every morning. You know, doing something every morning, creating yes. something every day. You know, listen to your subconscious, all that, you know, and getting in groups and having deadlines. All of those things can apply to all different types of creative output, I think. That's right. And they are really principles for creativity. And, you know, and obviously our experience, both you and me, is in writing. So um, we know what that looks like more in, you know, in terms of writing. But I know that people who who are more, you know, maybe music, music, musical or, or painting, drawing, whatever, will have their own interpretations of that or understandings of that as well right. i think they're really really i think those are really really good principles yeah and i'm just so grateful that you have broadened them out from the more specific emphasis on writing because I, I do think they apply more generally but it's great to hear the way you've put it oh thank you <laughs> um great. well that, oh, that that's been so great um okay so as we kind of just come to a, a close um what would be like, I mean, if you could just share what, if there was only one thing you could say to kind of people, creative people, people at people at the start of their creative journey or people who are struggling creatively at the moment, like one word of encouragement or hope or whatever, what would that be? Uh, my word would be do it. Really don't give up. Believe that you can. Believe that you were made to create, and we need to hear your voice. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant. Keep going. You people need to hear your voice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do, because we do need to hear yeah. everyone's voice, don't we? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so just, yeah, go out, create stuff, share it, don't be afraid. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, get back up if you get slimed. It might happen. Yeah, probably will happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, it happens to all of us. Um, yeah, know. but no, I think it's a better ending, isn't it? We need to hear your voice. Yes, we do. Yeah. Everyone's voice deserves deserves to be heard, needs to be heard. We've all got a valid, valid voice. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Amy. It's been really great talking to you. Um, I've learned so Dave. much. Um, and I'm sure everyone else has, has really learned a lot as well. So, um yeah, thank you, and um, that's really great. Thank you. Okay, thanks, James. Bye bye. Okay, um, that's okay. So that's that's it for this week, everyone, and um, we'll talk soon.